The Guardian. Order. Questions to the Prime Minister, Mr Christopher Pincher. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr. Christopher Pincher. Mr. Speaker, can my right honourable friend confirm that the fall in youth unemployment figures is the largest since records began? meet with me to discuss how employment opportunities in Tamworth, including youth employment, can be promoted still further. I've been delighted to meet with my honourable friend to discuss the economic situation and business situation in Tamworth, but he's absolutely right. This morning's figures show the largest quarterly fall in youth unemployment on record. 72,000 fewer people unemployed this quarter. The figures, obviously there is no room for complacency. There are still far too many people who are long-term unemployed, but in these figures we can see 40,000 more people in work, vacancies are up, unemployment is down by 82,000 and the claimant count is down. Over a million extra private sector jobs under this government. Mr Speaker, today's fall in unemployment and rise in employment is welcome. the challenge remains the stubbornly high level of long-term unemployment. Does the Prime Minister agree this remains of fundamental importance, not just to the people who are out of work, but for the country as a whole? No, I absolutely do agree, that, and as I mentioned it in my first answer, that long-term unemployment remains stubbornly high. The good news about the figures today is that long-term youth unemployment is actually down by 10,000 this quarter, so that is encouraging. But obviously, long-term unemployment for others uh, is still a problem. That's why the work programme and getting the work programme right is so important. It has got 200,000 people into work, but clearly there's more to do. But I welcome his tone, not least because he said on the 18th of January, and I quote, over the next year, unemployment will get worse, not better, under his policies. Perhaps you'd like to withdraw that. Mr Speaker, I'm glad the Prime Minister recognises that long-term unemployment is still a challenge. I want to ask him about the people who are doing the right thing and finding work. Now, last week in his autumn statement, the Chancellor decided to cut tax credits and benefits. And he said it was the shirkers, the people with the curtains drawn, who would be affected. Can the Prime Minister tell us... How many of those hit are actually in work? Yeah. The, the, the fact is this, that welfare, well, I will answer, welfare needs to be controlled and everyone, everyone who is on tax credits will be affected by these changes because we have to get on top of the welfare bill. That is why we're restricting the increase on out-of-work benefits and it's also the reason why we are restricting in-work benefits. But what we've also done is increase the personal allowance because on this side of the House we believe in cutting people's taxes when they're in work. He's raising the taxes of people in work. And, and of course, 
And of course, he didn't answer the question. The answer is, despite the impression given by the Chancellor of the Exchequer, that it's over 60% of those affected are in work. It's the factory worker on the night shift. It's the carer who looks after elderly people around the clock. And it's the cleaner who cleans the Chancellor's office while his curtains are still drawn and he's still in bed. The Chancellor calls them scroungers. What does the Prime Minister call them? He just said that we are not cutting taxes for people in work. Someone who is on the minimum wage, who works full time, will see their income tax bill cut by one half under this government. Under this government, we are saying to working people, you can earn another £3,000 before you even start paying income tax. That is why we've taken 2 million people out of tax altogether. He should be welcoming that, because this is the party for people who work. His is the party for unlimited welfare. Mr Speaker, of course, as we might expect, he's just wrong on the detail. The Institute for Fiscal Studies table says quite clearly that on average working families are £534 a year worse off as a result of his measure. Now, now, let's, I notice he wants to get away from what the Chancellor of the Exchequer said last week. And we know what the Chancellor was trying to do. He was trying to play divide and rule. He said, he said his changes, he said his changes, and I quote, were all about people, and I quote, living a life on benefits, still asleep while their neighbours go out to work. But Mr Speaker, it turned out it just wasn't true. It is a tax on strivers. Will the Prime Minister now admit the Chancellor got it wrong and the majority of people hit are working people? He says, he says that uh, we haven't got the detail right. We know, we know his approach to detail is to take a 2,000-page report and to accept it without reading it. That's his approach to detail. Specifically, specifically on the Institute of Fiscal... I'm surprised, I'm surprised the Shadow Chancellor is shouting again. I'm surprised he's shouting again this week. Because we learned, we learned last week, we learned last week, like bullies all over the world, he can dish it out, but he can't take it. He never learns. He never learns. The figures... Order! Order! I want to hear... Order. I want to hear the Prime Minister's answer. If mem- order. Let's hear it. Let's hear it from the Prime Minister. Specifically answer the Leader of the Opposition's question. He mentioned the Institute for Fiscal Studies figure. They do not include the personal allowance increase put through in the budget. They do not include the universal credit changes which come in next year, which will help the working poor more than anything. But the fact he cannot get away with, under this government, we're lifting the personal allowance, we're taking millions out of tax, we're standing up for those who work, he only stands up for those who claim. I must say, Mr Speaker, I've heard everything when the boy from the Bullingdon Club lectures people on bullying. Restaurant recently. Uh, 
he doesn't want he doesn't want to talk about the facts, but let's give him another one. That he's hitting working families, and the richest people in our society will be getting a massive tax cut next April. An average of £107,000 each for people earning over a million pounds. Mr Speaker, is the Prime Minister the only person left in the country who can't see the fundamental injustice of giving huge tax, tax cuts to the richest while punishing those in work on the lowest pay? rate for the richest under this government will be higher in every year than it was for any year when he was in government. And he's obviously got a short memory because I explained to him last week that under his plans for the 50p tax rate, millionaires paid £7 billion less in tax than they did previously. The point of raising taxes is to pay for public services. We are raising more money for the rich. But where he is really so profoundly wrong is the choice that he has decided to make. Because the facts are these. Over the last five years, people in work have seen their incomes go up by 10%. People out of work have seen their incomes go up by 20%. At a time when people accept a pay freeze, we should not be massively increasing benefits. Yet that is what he wants to do. And I have to say to him, a party that isn't serious about controlling welfare isn't serious about controlling the, the deficit either. From the first part of his answer, Mr. Speaker, that he's claiming to be Robin Hood. I don't really don't think that's going to work. Yeah. He's not taking from the richest and giving to everybody else. And didn't the business secretary give it away? Because this is what he said about the autumn statement. He said, he said this: What happened was some of their donors, we know he's talking about, very wealthy people stamped their feet. So they scrapped the mansion tax and went ahead with a 50p tax cut. Mr. Speaker, they look after their friends, the people on their Christmas card list, and meanwhile, they hit people they never meet and whose lives they will never understand. His donors put him where he is, pay him every year, determine his policies. But it's perfectly clear, it is perfectly clear, Mr Speaker, what the Labour Party's choice is. Their choice is more benefits paid for by more borrowing. They should listen to the Labour Trade Minister who said this. You know what you call a system of government where what you do is say, oh, we're in trouble, we'll go and borrow loads and give it to people. It's called Greece. That is what their Trade Minister said. They're not serious about welfare. They're not serious about the deficit. They're not a serious party, and everyone can see it. to join me and I'm sure the whole House in sending our deepest sympathies and condolences to nurse Jacintha Soldana who died this week um, in urging anyone who wants to support the family in donating to the King Edward VII um, Memorial Fund and in urging the press to continue their largely good record of preserving the privacy of this family at the time of most terrible grief. Well, I'm sure the whole House and indeed the whole country will join the Honourable Lady and join me in paying tribute uh, to this nurse and, and giving all our sympathies and condolences to her family. She clearly uh, loved her job, loved her work, cared deeply about the health of her patients and what's happened is a complete tragedy. There will be many lessons that need to be learned and I absolutely echo what she says about the press keeping their distance and allowing this family the time and space to grieve. Mr Dennis Skinner. Yeah. 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 Is the uh, 
Is the Prime Minister still intending to introduce the Snoopers Charter, euphemistically known as the Communications and Data Bill? Does he realise that he'll be spying his government on more people in Britain than even all the press barons put together? Where did he get this advice and idea from? Was it down at Wapping? Was it his friends down there? believe on, on this issue, I think the Honourable Gentleman is wrong. I think this is a very, very important issue and I feel this very strongly as Prime Minister where you have to take responsibility first and foremost for security, for national security and for people's safety. And the fact is data communications, this is not the content of a telephone call, it is the fact a phone call took place, is used in every single terrorist case and in almost every single serious crime case. And the question in front of the House of Commons and indeed the House of Lords is simply this because we currently have that data for fixed and mobile telephony what are we going to do as telephony increasingly moves over the internet? We can stand here and do nothing and not update the law. The consequence of doing that will be fewer crimes solved fewer terrorists brought to justice I do not want to be the Prime Minister that puts that country into this position John Hemming Mr Speaker, the Government's proposals on judicial review conflict with Article, 20, Article 29 of Magna Carta 1297. Does the Government propose the repeal of Magna Carta? Um, no, I can reassure my honourable friend, we don't intend that. But I, I'm sure that he would understand that the... Um to learn about 1297 from the Prime Minister. I'm sure I'm about to. Um, the, the point we are making is that the, the extent of judicial review has massively increased in recent years and we think there is a need for some new rules to look at the extent and indeed the costs of judicial review so the costs are properly covered. I think in that way we can maintain access to justice but perhaps speed up the wheels of government a little. Mr Andy Slaughter. Yeah. Will the Will the Prime Minister answer the question he was asked three times by my right honourable friend and dodged a few moments ago? Will he confirm the majority of households who will be hit by the real terms cuts to benefits and tax credits are working households? Yeah. The, the point I made is, is even bigger than that. Every, everyone, everyone on working tax credits will be affected by the fact we're only increasing them by 1%. But the fact is, we have to control welfare to deal with the massive deficit we were left by the party opposite. And there's a choice in politics. You can either control welfare bills or you can say no to a welfare cap, no to a housing benefit cap, no to the control of welfare, borrow, spend and build up our deficit, putting us straight back where we came from. Andrew Tyree. The liaison committee yesterday, the Prime Minister began by saying that the government would accept crucial Lord's amendments to make the Justice and Security Bill acceptable on secret courts. But he ended the session by appearing to say that he wouldn't accept those amendments 
Could he clarify which one it is? What I said very clearly to the committee yesterday is we want this bill to pass through Parliament, having listened to the Joint Committee, having listened to all the excellent points made in the House of Lords, and I'm sure we'll be making uh, more, uh, listening even more carefully in the, in the House of Commons. I think the Leader of the Opposition is catching the disease off the Shadow Chancellor of uh, not being able to keep his mouth shut for longer than five seconds. Um, we, will, uh, we, will, we will listen very carefully to the amendment. choice is to make sure that these proceedings are available to judges and it's judges that should make the decision. John Robertson. Thank you, Thank you Mr Speaker. The Environment Secretary this week described wind turbines as any appropriate technology which matured in the Middle Ages. Does the Prime Minister agree? If not, why not? We are making serious investments in renewable energy. We've set out a regime of subsidy that stretches right out to 2017 and beyond. And that's why the renewable energy capacity of this country has actually doubled over the last two years under this government. Sir Gerald Howarth. Uh, my right honourable friend agree with me that not only has this government had to deal with a catastrophic budget deficit, which we inherited from the former Prime Minister, but also as the... As the figures reveal today, a tidal wave of immigration deliberately fostered by the Labour government and that concentrating on putting these two issues right are the most important issues facing this government for the delivery of, of security of the people of this country. Well, I think my uh, right honourable friend makes an important point, which is that immigration was out of control under the last government. Net migration ran at over 200,000 a year. That is two million across a decade. Under the controls, sensible controls we put in place, net immigration has fallen by a quarter in recent years. But I think what is interesting about this is that you can have proper control of immigration while also saying to the world our universities are open to foreign students to come and study here and as long as they have as long as they have an English language qualification and a degree place at university there's no limit on the numbers that can come that is our policy controlling immigration but making sure the best and the brightest come to Britain Mr Angus Brendan McNeil thank you very much Mr Speaker Iceland which had huge economic difficulties rejected austerity and has seen according to Bloomberg a recovery driven by domestic demand unemployment is 2.4% lower than the UK growth is 2.4% and property around 110% of value. Those with children and the unemployed have received the most support in Iceland. Will the Prime Minister be gracious enough, notwithstanding other issues, to congratulate Iceland for working hard to turn things around? And does he think there's anything he can learn from Iceland? Well, I think if the, the case for uh, an independent Scotland is, is make us more like Iceland, I'm not sure that will totally uh, recommend itself to the voters. Britain and Iceland have very good relations, and I, and I, I will make sure that remains to be the case. Amber Rudd. unemployment, particularly in Hastings and Rye, where youth unemployment has fallen steadily for the past nine months and is at its lowest since May 2010. Could I urge the Prime Minister to consider continue this government's investment into apprenticeships and youth contracts so that that can continue? 
Well, I'm grateful for the uh, Honourable Lady's point. We will continue, not just with the apprenticeships, which have uh, reached over a million under this government, but also with the youth contract, and particularly work experience, because what we're seeing is large numbers of people who go into work experience, come off benefits, find a job, and find that it's a very good start to a career and a working career, which is what we want to see. Mr Mike Weir. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. On the day that unemployment in Scotland showed the largest fall in four years, is the Prime Minister the shock as I am by reports in the Sunday Mail and the Daily Record this week that some job centre managers were actively encouraging employers to convert paid vacancies into unpaid work experience placements to satisfy DWP targets. Will the Prime Minister condemn this practice and ensure it ceases immediately? The Honourable Gentleman makes an important point, which was we want work experience places to be additional places, encouraging more young people to get at least a feel for work so they have a chance of getting a job. But it's good that he welcomes the fact that employment in Scotland is up 27,000 since the election, and unemployment in Scotland has fallen by 19,000 this quarter. So we are making progress. This is Cheryl Gillan. Would the Prime Minister join me in welcoming the progress that has been made around the country since the Autism Act 2009 in supporting adults with autism? And following the recent National Audit Office report, would he join me in encouraging his ministerial colleagues and local authorities across the country to accelerate this progress next year when the adult autism strategy is due to be reviewed? Well, first of all, may I pay tribute to my right honourable friend who was instrumental in getting the landmark Autism Act 2009 onto the statute book. The impact of the Act, I believe, continues right up to this day and beyond. We want all adults living with autism to be able to live fulfilling and rewarding lives within a society that properly accepts them. She's absolutely right that the review of the strategy is coming up next year between March and October. It's vital, it's a proper cross-government effort, and after her remarks I will make sure that this is, this is dealt with in a proper and coordinated way. Chris Williamson. Mr Speaker, the uh, Green Investment Bank was due to be given new borrowing powers in three years' time. But in view of the Chancellor's abject failure to meet that borrowing uh, target, because it was uh, predicated on meeting uh, those uh, borrowing targets set by the government, is the Prime Minister still committed to giving uh, borrowing powers to the Green Investment Bank, and if so, when? Well, first of all, let me make the point that this government has set up a green investment bank within two years, whereas the party opposite did nothing about this for 13 years. The second point I would make is, even at a time of fiscal difficulty, because of the mess we were left, we put £3 billion of money into this green investment bank, so right now it doesn't need to borrow because it has the money to invest. And I think in green investments what's needed is that equity risk finance, and that's exactly what the green investment bank can provide. Mr William my, my, my right honourable friend goes to the summit tomorrow. Um, has he noticed in President Barroso's blueprint uh, for federalisation of Europe the following sentence? The European Parliament, and only it, is the Parliament for the EU, ensuring democratic legitimacy for the EU. Does he agree with this? Does he repudiate it? And what will he say to the other leaders when he goes to the summit tomorrow? Um, well, I, 
I do agree with my honourable friend on this one and not with President Barroso for this reason, that it is actually the national parliaments that provide the real democratic legitimacy within the European Union. When we are discussing banking union, it's to this House that we should account. When we're discussing the European budget, it is to this House that represents our taxpayers that we should account. And I always bear that in mind when I'm negotiating, as I will be tomorrow, at the European Council. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can the Prime Minister confirm the autumn statement revealed the government is now borrowing £212 billion more than it previously planned to? I would take this from the Honourable Lady if her plans weren't to borrow even more. And the point is, I know know that the party opposite was desperately disappointed that the Office of Budget Responsibility predicted that borrowing would come down this year as well as last year, but that is the fact. Speaker, the Prime Minister has rightly said that we are locked in a global economic race. Does he share my concern that having the highest aviation taxes in the world makes it harder for business to compete and increases the cost of living? Will he ask the Treasury uh, to conduct a full review of whether this tax costs Britain more than it brings in? I very much understand the point my uh, honourable friend makes, and obviously I get lobbied regularly uh, by countries uh, around the world, particularly Commonwealth countries, about uh, um, uh, air passenger duty. We don't have any plans to commission further research at this point because we have just completed a a very thorough consultation. Obviously, despite the challenge of the budget deficit, we have limited the rise of APD to inflation over the period 2010-11 to 2012-13. So as a result, APD rates have only increased by around a pound for the majority of passengers, but I bear in mind very carefully what he says. Emily Thornbury. The autumn statement didn't include a forecast of child poverty as a result of the policies announced. Can the Prime Minister confirm that it will be published soon? I'm sure it was just an oversight. And could he tell the House whether he really believes that his policies will increase or reduce child poverty in a centre? We want to see a genuine and lasting reduction in child poverty, and I think we need to have policies that address not only whether people are just above or just below the poverty line, but policies that actually address the causes of poverty. What is it that traps people into poverty? Well, of course, not enough money, as she says, is part of it. Not enough jobs is another, and that's why today's news on unemployment is so welcome. But what we need to do is look at all of the things that trap people on unemployment, which include things like drug and alcohol abuse, family breakdown, as well, obviously, as unemployment. Oliver Colville. Mr Speaker. As my right honourable friend knows, Plymouth is a global leader in marine science engineering research. I very much welcome the initiative by the government to spend more money on our science base. But would my right honourable friend be willing to meet with me, my fellow Plymouth members of Parliament, and also Plymouth businesses to discuss how Plymouth might become involved in the uh, Small Cities Super Broadband Initiative and will help us to rebalance our economy and attract private investment. 
No, well, I'm, I'm very happy to, to, to meet with him, and I know that he stands up very strongly for Plymouth and for Plymouth's economy. He rightly says that on the science budget, we made the decision right back at the start of this government to freeze the science budget rather than cut it, as so many other budgets were, and I'm sure that was the right uh, answer. And since then, we've added money back into the science budget. On broadband, I'll look carefully at what he says uh, about the city broadband. Of course, I'm sure he'll be glad to know that the Devon and Somerset have been allocated over 33 million to deliver superfast broadband, and we're working very hard to make sure that all those plans are on track to deliver the superfast broadband that is important for cities, but also very important for rural areas as well. Naomi Long. The Prime Minister and members of this House will be fully aware of the very serious threat posed to democracy by dissident Republicans in Northern Ireland. However, the police have stated that there is evidence of loyalist paramilitary involvement in some of the protests and violence in Northern Ireland this week, which included a sickening attempted murder of police officers who were protecting my constituency office. Will he take this opportunity not only to condemn this reprehensible assault on democracy from those who style themselves as loyal, and will he agree to meet with me and with my colleague David Ford, the Justice Minister for Northern Ireland, to discuss the very grave security situation developing? Well, first of all, can I absolutely join her in condemning the violence that we've seen on the streets of Belfast? As she says, in no way are these people being loyal uh, or standing up for Britishness. Violence uh, has got absolutely, uh, is absolutely unjustified in those and in other circumstances. I agree completely with what she said about the sickening attack on the police officer, uh, and we should pay tribute again to the work the police service of Northern Ireland do on all our behalves. And I know that the whole House will wish to join me in expressing our complete solidarity with the Honourable Lady and her colleagues, who themselves have been threatened and intimidated over recent days. I'm always happy to meet and talk with Members of Parliament from Northern Ireland. Cheryl Murray. Will my right honourable friend join me in congratulating my two very young entrepreneurs who have taken the initiative to start the Cornish Gouda Cheese Company and Team K Fashion in my constituency. Does the Prime Minister agree that this is just the sort of business initiative we need to see? Well, I'm delighted to join the Honourable Lady in congratulating uh, the entrepreneurship in her constituency, and I'm looking forward to tasting some Cornish Gouda uh, cheese. If, um, if the time, um, if the, although I probably shouldn't for my uh, for my for my uh, weight, uh, but it, she is making an important point, which is the rate of startup of, of new businesses in this country is at a record high, and because we need a rebalancing between the public sector and the private sector, we need this entrepreneurship to continue. Lucy Powell. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. In opposition, the Prime Minister said that he wanted this government to be the most family-friendly government this country had ever seen. So can I ask him why he's cutting maternity pay for working mothers? Well, first of all, can I welcome the Honourable Lady to the House of Commons and congratulate her on her recent uh, by-election success. We have had to take difficult decisions about welfare, both in-work welfare and out-of-work welfare, and so we put a cap on 1% of all the working benefits, including the one that she mentions. But above all, on this issue, what I think is the right thing to do is cut the taxes of people in work rather than take more in taxes and then redistribute it through tax credits. So on this side, we want to cut taxes on those who work. That's what we're doing, and there'll be more of it to come. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Over the last five years, benefits have risen twice as fast as salaries. Does the Prime Minister agree that whilst we have a duty to the least well-off, it cannot be fair that people who are out of work enjoy bigger increases in living standards than those who graft hard day and night to support themselves and their families? I think my honourable friend puts it extremely clearly. Many people in our country have seen a pay freeze year after year after year, and yet welfare benefits have gone up year after year after year. So in politics, we face a choice. Do we go on putting those welfare benefits up, which actually is not uh, helping those people who are in work on the pay freeze, or do we take the tough and necessary decision? We have taken the tough and necessary decision. The only welfare minister Labour have ever had who anyone took seriously, the honourable member for Burke Head, said that their approach simply isn't serious. And once again, he's right. Angus Robertson. Thank you very much, uh, Mr uh, Speaker. May I congratulate the Prime Minister and the UK Government on following the lead of the Scottish Government and Scottish Parliament in introducing equal marriage minimum pricing uh, for alcohol uh, and previously on the smoking ban. Uh, Given the fact that unemployment is now lower in Scotland uh, than the rest of the UK, will he follow the lead of the Scottish Government by introducing more shovel-ready measures for economic growth? I think what the Honourable Gentleman will find is because of the measures taken in the autumn statement, there is an extra £300 million for the Scottish Government to spend, and so if they want to spend that on shovel-ready measures, they can. But I certainly uh, am happy to say that when good policies are introduced in any part of the United Kingdom, I think we all have the opportunity to follow them. Order. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.